Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The FT. Welcome to the FT Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedder from the Comment and Analysis Desk. Myanmar is heading for a general election on Sunday, a landmark in its transition from military rule to democracy, and a test for Aung San Suu Kyi if the National League for Democracy performs strongly. Michael Peel reports that, as well as a battle for the ballot box, the country wedged between China and India is struggling with great power rivalries and internal conflict. The emerging nation, also known as Burma, is jittery on the eve of the polls, Michael finds, as he goes from the glitzy commercial capital of Rangon to villages little touched by economic growth forecast at 8% this year and next. Chi Hlang is a child of Myanmar's independence in 1948, but he has never cast a vote that counted. On Sunday, he has his chance. Born less than three months after British rule ended in this former outpost of Imperial India, he was a teenager when the military seized power in 1962 and an increasingly disillusioned Ministry of Energy official when the junta aborted a 1990 poll that yielded an opposition landslide. The 67-year-old engineer from the country's Delta region says he finally left the civil service in disgust at how colleagues with military connections were being promoted ahead of him. Many went on to big positions, such as deputy ministerial posts or directorships at government-owned companies. Speaking outside his Yangon home, Mr Chihlang laments that all the institutions are dominated by the military. The interview is punctuated by the roar of two fighter jets sweeping back and forth overhead. He adds, We cannot get smooth change at the moment. His scepticism is a reminder that Sunday's general election while a landmark event in Myanmar's dramatic transition from military rule is as much about the control of democracy as the historic expression of it. Aung San Suu Kyi, still exalted as a freedom fighter by some in the West, may well end up leading the largest party in the new parliament, but this will not be a South Africa-style shift to majority rule. Instead, the vote is likely to supercharge a struggle for how far and how fast the transition since 2011 from almost half a century of repressive dictatorship is allowed to progress. The fight at the ballot box is a microcosm of the wider contest to shape the direction of a nation sandwiched between the world's two most populous states, China and India. The country also known as Burma is grappling with great power rivalries and internal conflict, some of which spills across its borders. It is also a hub of legal and illegal trade from drugs to the green jade coveted by China's new rich. Political relations with Beijing have been strained, 
and many Western investors and governments remain cautious, reflecting wider anxieties about whether the reform story told so enthusiastically over the past five years risks coming to a sudden halt. Western powers, especially the US, have a lot riding on their support for a transition they need to be successful at a time when their strategies in other regions are under sustained attack. Jolin Wu, a political analyst in Yangon who fled the country as a student activist in the 1990s, says, If the post-election period is OK and everyone agrees to the formation of a government, then we will take the next step. Otherwise, the democratization process will stop and we will return to authoritarian rule. Myanmar is jittery on the eve of the first national election to be held under nominally civilian rule since the early 1960s. There are few precedents and little reliable polling data to help predict the result of a vote set in motion when Than Shui, the last junta leader, handed power in March 2011 to a government led by Thien Sein, another former general. Three quarters of the seats in parliament will be up for grabs, with the remainder reserved for the military. This guaranteed officer's representation is one of several stops the generals and their civilian proxies have imposed on the election and parliament. All votes on constitutional change require a 75% plus one supermajority, giving the military bloc a veto on fundamental reform. Ms. Su Chi, the daughter of a nationalist hero assassinated on the brink of independence, is barred from the presidency because her two sons by her late British husband have foreign passports. If the NLD performs strongly, months of precarious deal-making may follow. Under the constitution, the new parliament may not even begin work until 90 days after the election, and it then has the contentious task of choosing the country's new president. It will be a big test for Ms. Su Chi in the face of increasing criticism of her allegedly autocratic style, lightly sketched political programme, and the decision to bar some high-profile former political prisoners from standing for the NLD. It may also put pressure on the military. In August, Shui Man, a former junta number three, was ousted as ruling party chairman, highlighting splits between some senior officers. As one foreign diplomat says, the period until March is going to be very, very tense as people negotiate who does what. Reforms since 2011 include political prisoner releases, the large-scale arrival of mobile telephony, and the start of a revival of industries from clothes-making to oil and gas. But this is happening against a darker backdrop of continuing corruption, fresh detentions, abuses of power such as land grabs, and ethnic conflicts of varying intensity across large swathes of the country. A construction boom that has sprinkled Yangon with glass, glitz and gridlock has also heightened the commercial capital's distance from the rural areas in a country of 53 million people. Little of the economic growth forecast by the Asian Development Bank at more than 8% this year and next has penetrated the villages and small towns of a country more than two and a half times the size of the UK. It is in these areas, away from the plentiful election observer teams and general urban enthusiasm for the NLD, that the poll may be decided. There are political posters and other activities in many villages and not yet the disillusionment with voting that sometimes comes with experience of its limits. A.A. Thin, a 26-year-old hotel cashier living with her parents in a farming community in the eastern state of Shan, says, Mother Sue said that if she's elected, she'll do her best for the people, and if the people don't like her anymore, she will resign. 
The elections will test the cohesion of a fragmented country cemented by force for most of the 130 years since the British overthrew King Thibaw Min. The battle between Ms. Su Chi and the military is just one element in a struggle involving a kaleidoscope of ethnically based regional parties that in some cases oppose both the NLD and the ruling military-backed Union Solidarity and Development Party, as well as each other. Long-running talks to achieve the first nationwide ceasefire in more than 60 years of conflicts between the government and armed ethnic militias achieved agreement with only eight of 15 rebel groups last month. A disturbing new style has also emerged in the country's long-standing politics of difference. A monk-led Buddhist ultra-nationalist organisation known as Mabatha has provoked international condemnation and portrayed the NLD as pro-Muslim because the party opposed new laws to restrict religious conversions, interfaith marriages and even the right to have children. These rules are seen as part of a broader government crackdown on Muslims particularly those from the Rohingya minority, who are denied civil rights such as voting and have been forced to flee in their tens of thousands into squalid camps. In Jopu, on the wild coast of the western state of Rakhine, burnt mosques are a reminder of sporadic but deadly anti-Muslim violence that has killed hundreds in the past few years. In a small indicator of the subtle way Sunday's poll could break, Usain, the 42-year-old owner of an electrical goods shop, says he supports the NLD but will back the Buddhist ethnic Arakan National Party. This is not because he hates Muslims, but simply, he says, because he thinks it has a better chance of beating the ruling USDP here. I am an Arakan, but I am also a Democrat as well, he says about his tactical voting. We need more freedom. We need more justice. At the moment, I feel there is no justice. In some respects, the poll will also be a way station in Myanmar's efforts to establish its place in the world as it edges away from its junta-era status as a Beijing backyard. China, which kept the generals afloat during the era of Western sanctions, is still an important player. It is developing big infrastructure projects, from energy pipelines to giant dams for hydroelectric power. But resentment in Myanmar towards China's resource play culminated in the Thaintsein government's shock 2011 decision to suspend work on the Beijing-backed Mietzon Dam in the country's north after local protests. The Lepadong copper mine, operated by China's Wambao, has for years been the centre of demonstrations and sporadic security force violence. Chinese foreign direct investment has slumped in the past few years, while tensions between the two countries rose further after ethnic fighting in Kokong spilt into Chinese territory. Beijing has built contacts with opposition parties, notably hosting Ms. Su Chi on her first ever visit in June. While many sanctions have been lifted, and a vanguard of US and European companies from fast food chains to brewers has come in, it is not yet a corporate gold rush. The politics have been tricky too, an EU national police training programme attracted fresh scrutiny when officers from the force attacked students at a protest in March. Some US critics in Congress and beyond complain Washington is giving the Thaintsein government an easy ride because the Obama administration wants to portray Myanmar as a foreign policy success at a time of heavy criticism over its stance on the Middle East. That has allowed others the chance to quietly develop influence and opportunities. 
a stream of Japanese corporations and overseas development assistance has arrived. $5 billion in debt relief loans and grants in 2012 and 2013 alone. India aims to upgrade an existing friendship highway into a main 3,200-kilometre trade route linking the two countries and Thailand. As the election approaches, military gerrymandering has not completely locked the process down. The country's own history is a reminder of how surprises can drive events. The 1990 poll resulted in an 80% haul of parliamentary seats for the NLD and an emergency spree of detentions by the junta to stifle the possibility of a repeat of a 1988 uprising that is thought to have left thousands dead. Ms. Suchi spent most of the following 20 years under house arrest, while other leading NLD figures served long jail sentences. If the NLD again records a big win, Ms. Suchi may feel emboldened to put greater pressure on the generals, and they may feel more threatened. Their plan is to continue moving at their chosen pace, installing someone they trust, very possibly Mr. Thane Sein again, as president to insulate themselves from prosecution and to protect their wealth. Ms. Suchi has taken the risky strategy of declaring that, should her choice of leader be installed, it will be she who leads the government and be above the president. Back on the outskirts of Yangon, Mr. Chi Hlang's enthusiasm for the election is real but also tempered by experience. Asked if he thinks there will be rigging, he replies enigmatically that, This is Burma. Some things will happen in the Burmese way. It is a recognition that voters' ink stamps are a starting point, rather than a climax, in this historic but singular poll. Change will happen gradually, he says of the election and its aftermath. We can't get it in just a single night. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you have no idea where it's going? Well, I know it's all of those subscriptions. I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on and I had them cancel the ones I didn't want anymore. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash pod24. That's rocketmoney.com slash pod24. rocketmoney.com slash pod24.